Amen. Amen. Do you have that? Do you have that victory we just sang about? You are unconvincing. <laughs> I'm going to give you another try at that, all right? Do you have that victory we just sang about? Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. That's better. <clears throat> Sometimes I think we just kind of we get lulled to sleep, don't we? <clears throat> Any of you um, lulled to sleep by um, a pitcher's duel? <laughs> Did anybody watch all 15 innings of that game yesterday? Anybody? I just want to see who's fanatical. I just, uh, all right. All right. That's uh, five hours, I think it was. Something like that. Wow. Uh, go Guardians, all right. That's good. Moving on. <clears throat> the battle. The battle. That was a pitcher's battle yesterday, right? And... Uh, we, t we talk about battles sometimes, and I, I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that all battles are created equal, right? Yeah. Um, the message today is entitled "What Hinders Prayer," and this is uh, the last week that we're gonna. The message is going to focus on prayer. Um, but we need to figure out what hinders prayer because prayer is really essential to our faith. It's really essential to our walk with the Lord. It's, it's very essential to us being a disciple. Would you agree? And so it's really important for us to uh, figure out what it is that hinders prayer because there's a lot of things that hinder prayer. Before we really get into this, though, um, you should have gotten one of these, um, but I think green. Yeah? I you notice I said, I think green, and now you guys know why I say that. Um, I think green. Um, at least that's what the package said that I, that I took it out of. Uh, but um, this is going to be used towards the end, and for those of you online, um, if you, I know you don't have one of these, but... Uh, if you maybe could just take a half sheet of paper and just draw a simple cross on it, and you can use this as well at the end, because uh, this is kind of how we're going to respond today to the message. Okay. <clears throat> so, what makes prayer so difficult? What makes it hard? Because I think sometimes, uh, if we're if we're uh, if we're honest, that we would say that prayer is difficult. Prayer is hard. And I believe that uh, there's one thing that makes it hard. It is the fact that um, we feel that we must be in a certain frame of mind to go to the Lord in prayer. And I think, and I think that's true. I think that's true that we need to be in a, a certain frame of mind when we go to the Lord in prayer. And, um, and a setting like this helps, right? Because as we come together in a setting like this, First of all, we're coming together, and as you're 
even as you're driving to church on a Sunday morning, you know that prayer is going to be a part of what we're doing here this morning. And so you have that in your mind. But then when we gather together and we start the service, we have songs that help us to get in the right frame of mind. Uh, we have songs that help us to worship, and as we worship and as we really turn our, our attention to God, our eyes upon the Lord, we begin to think about Him, and it gets us in the right frame of mind. And then we have corporate time of prayer. We have scripture reading. We have a lot of different things that help us when we come together like this to get in that frame of mind that we need to get into to pray. But what about the mundane times of life? What about those times that you're not, that you're not here, uh, that you're just going through life? Those are difficult because in those times, in those mundane times of life, uh, we get irritated. Anybody here ever get irritated? Yeah? <laughs> Anybody here ever get in a bad mood? Yeah? Yeah? For sure. Uh, is anybody here ever tired? Yeah? I definitely, uh, I hear that. I hear that. Um, a lot of times in times of greeting, you greet someone and, and you say, how are you doing? And, and sometimes the, uh, the honest answer comes out. And they say, I'm tired. All right? Yeah. It's easier just to say, oh, I'm good, I'm good. But the fact of the matter is, I'm tired, you know. What about those times when we're uh, preoccupied? So it isn't mo so much irrit irritation or a bad mood or being tired, but we're preoccupied. You know, we have a lot of other things on our minds. We have a lot of other things that we're thinking about. Uh, what about those times that uh, you've just gossiped? <laughs> Or, or your temper got the best of you and you lost your cool. <laughs> Never. <laughs> what about those times when, when you've just done something that you know you shouldn't have done and it kind of brings that, that, that shame, that feeling of shame upon you? And do you, do you really feel like in those times, do you really feel like, oh, I just, I just feel like praying right now? Prayer involves coming before a holy and righteous God who knows your every move and knows what you've been up to and what you've said and what you've thought and all of those things. And because of that, because you know that you're coming before a God that knows all of that, then sometimes the approach to God feels awkward. Would you agree? It's also hard, prayer is also hard, because the devil, the enemy of your soul, does not want you to pray. Does everybody believe that the devil's real? Yeah? Some people believe he's, he's just a made-up being. I believe that he's real. The Bible tells us that he's real. Jesus talks about the enemy of our soul, right? And I really believe that the enemy of our soul does not want us to pray. I, I believe that the devil does not like it when we pray. 
I believe that, and, and, I, and I, feel like this is, I feel like this is true. Um, you may or may not agree with me. I, I believe that he's, that he's afraid when God's people pray. And I want to tell you this morning that the devil isn't as afraid of you coming to church. And, and I believe coming to church is important. I believe that us gathering together is important. It's something that the scriptures tell us that we should do and that we should not forsake. So it is important to gather together. But I don't believe the devil is near as afraid of us gathering together as he is when we come together and we actually will link arms with another individual and get down on our knees with another individual and pray together. Well, I think that's what really freaks him out. Can we say that? The devil gets freaked out. And so the enemy of your soul battles you not to pray. He fills your heart with doubt. He discourages you. He makes you feel like you have failed because he knows that if he can make you feel like a failure, that you most likely will avoid prayer. But here's the other thing. The devil loves it when you help him. <laughs> he loves it when you help him. You say, well, how in the world do I help the devil? Well, let me give you some examples of that, all right? Uh, the devil loves it when you have that bad attitude. He loves it when you, uh, here's some things that make the devil happy. He knows that when you hold bitterness in your heart towards another person, that he's got you right where he wants you. See, a lot of times we'll, we'll get bitterness in our heart towards somebody and we'll hold on to that thinking, thinking that we're penalizing that person. When in actuality, what, all that we're really doing is we're giving the devil a foothold in our life. We're letting him get his, his foot in the door, okay? And so he, he loves that. He, he loves when we are harboring sin or sins in our life, if you're nurturing a sin, if you're feeding it, if you're fostering it, if you're nursing it, the devil loves those things. He loves it when you have a bad attitude. He loves it when you, uh, when you carry that bad attitude around with you and you refuse to let go of it. Uh, there are times that we have a hard time, uh, something gets under our skin like we get, we get irritated or frustrated about something, it gets under our skin, and we start to take that with us wherever we go. And it causes an attitude in us that won't permit the Spirit of God to really have his way with us. Because we've got this, this bad attitude that we're harboring and, and, uh, and holding on to. These things make the devil happy. Because he knows, he knows, the devil knows better than we know that if these things are going on in our life, our prayer life is hindered. Our prayer life is hindered and even our closeness to God is hindered. And it may even cause us to completely disconnect with God. I have a scripture that I want to start out with. It's uh, from Hebrews chapter 12. 
uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. We've, we've read this actually, I think, just a couple weeks ago, but uh, we're going to read this again and see what it has to say for us. Will you stand with me? I love this scripture. This scripture is like, uh, to me, this scripture is like, um, it's a halftime speech. It, it, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a, you know, when the team gets together and they put their hands in, the team captain says some things to get the team routed, routed up and ready to go, ready to like go fight and, you know, get into, get it, yeah, go win, right? Yeah, I, I feel like this is one of those, those scriptures for us. So let's read this together. It says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. So it tells us to lay aside every hindrance and sin. Uh, what, what does sin hinder us from? I'll give you some things. Sin hinders us from a faith in Jesus. Sin hinders us from keeping our eyes on Jesus. Sin hinders us from having that close walk with Jesus, from having the communion with Jesus that we were created to have. Sin ensnares us. It traps us. It, it, it grabs a hold of us. It keeps us, it keeps us from talking to God. And, and, and when we think about that, we think about how Sin, actually, when it's in our life, when it's something that we've, we're holding on to or we just refuse to let go, it is something that hinders prayer. And we see this is true from the very beginning of time. If you go clear back into Genesis, okay, so we're, just, we're going from Hebrews clear back into Genesis, all right? And so you go back into Genesis, those first three chapters of Genesis, and you just read those first three chapters of Genesis, and what you're going to find is that Adam and Eve, they, uh, they decided that what God told them wasn't true. They're going to do what they want to do. They were going to uh, handle things they wanted to, to do, and, and they were going to do it their way. That's what sin is. That's basically what sin is. And so we know they sinned. They took of the fruit of the tree that they weren't supposed to take of. And as they did that, uh, they, they became... Uh, knowledgeable and understanding of the sin in their life. Now, when that happened, uh, the scripture tells us that God came walking in the garden. And, and I love the fact that in those times, it, it must have been that before Adam and Eve sinned, that God just would come along in the garden with them and just walk along with them in their presence. Isn't that isn't that cool? I mean, that's, that's the way it was intended to be. That's the way God intended it to be. That, that closeness, that bond, that, 
that communion, that, that uh, wonderful relationship of God and man. That's the way it was supposed to be. So the scriptures tell us that God came to walk in the garden with Adam and Eve, but what did they do after they had sinned? They hid. Why did they hide? They were ashamed. They were ashamed. Now, see, sin does that to us. Sin ruins our communion with God. It ruins our relationship with God. It, it, it taints it. It makes us ashamed, ashamed of his presence. And so when there's sin in our life, when we're harboring sin in our life, or, or we just refuse to get rid of it, refuse to deal with it, what happens is it, it hinders our relationship with God. We don't feel that closeness. And in fact, we don't have a tendency to go to him or run to him or be with him. We have a tendency to hide from him, avoid him. That's why many times that when a person starts to, to sin in their life, they avoid things like this. <laughs> they don't want to come to church because the presence of God is so powerful in this place when God's people gather together in his name. You see, sin ensnares us. It ruins things, and it ruins that relationship. Sin had destroyed Adam and Eve's sense of wanting to be in the presence of God. Evil thoughts, bad attitudes, knowledge of their failure caused them to not want to interact with God. And these things have the same effect today. So we are to, uh, the scripture tells us, the scripture we just read, we are to throw off these things. We are to confess these things, cast off these things. And that happens through confession. Come before God with a repentant heart, bringing your sin to him and confess and allow him to get rid of it and to cleanse you from the stain of sin. That's, that's what Jesus, that's the reason Jesus came. So that we could be cleansed of the sin that's in our life. And it says in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a great promise? It's a great promise, isn't it? Now, I want to take you to um, an example of, of this. Uh, his name is David, and uh, he's, he's in the Old Testament. And I want to take you to Psalm 51, okay? Now, Psalm 51 is, uh, is a prayer of David. And we're going to, I want to read it, and, uh, and then we're going to talk about it. And just kind of see how this goes along with what we're talking about today. So David said, uh, this is, again, this is a prayer of David's heart to God. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I, am con uh, for I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. 
Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It's a beautiful prayer of confession. You see, we are told in both the Old Testament and the New Testament that David was a man after God's heart. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Uh, who, who among us would like to be labeled a person after God's heart? That's great, isn't it? I, I love that. I, I want that to be thought of me and said of me. And we're told in both Testaments that David was a man after God's heart. Now, the reason that I believe this is the case is because David had a tendency to go to God for everything. He had a tendency to always be praying. Always be talking to God. He was always talking to the Lord. He was talking to the Lord in times of confusion. He was talking to the Lord in times when he was trying to decide, should I go to battle or should I not go to battle? He was talking to the Lord in times when he was depressed. He was downhearted. He was, he was going through difficult times in his life. I mean, he was constantly pouring his heart out to God. And many of the Psalms that we have is exactly that. It's David pouring his heart out to God. David, I believe, was a man after God's heart because he was always talking to God. He was always in communion with God. He had that tight relationship with the Lord. And then he did this terrible thing. He committed adultery with Bathsheba. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, and it wasn't, he didn't stop there. Okay, he didn't stop there because what David did, he was king, so he had all this power. So what he did was he decided, okay, I've committed this terrible sin, and now I need to cover it up. Now I need to, uh, to make sure that it's going to be okay in everybody's sight. And so what he d decided to do was, I'm going to take her husband, who's in the army, and I'm going to put him on the front lines of the army, and as they go out to battle, I'll have the rest of the group pull back and leave him out there exposed so that he'll be killed. Okay? This is like, this is like stuff that you see in a movie, right? I mean, this is, this is crazy stuff. That's what David did, though. That's exactly what David did. So David was responsible for adultery and responsible for the death of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. And so this is a time in David's life that he was spiritually dry. He was spiritually dry in this moment in time of his life. Now, the reason for that is because he knew that he had done all these terrible things. He knew that he had sin in his life. And as David had this sin in his life, he thought, I can't talk to God. I can't, I can't approach God. I can't come to God like I normally do. And there's kind of evidence of this, and, and I didn't really plan on this, but um, Psalm 32, David's talking about this. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not on the screen. I didn't. 
Psalm 32, David is talking about this. And uh, this is what he says. I just want to read some of this for you. He's talking about this time in his life and this, this whole, what was happening. He says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and whose spirit is no, is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Okay, so that's what he, he's talking about that time that he knew that he had sinned. He knew that he had done wrong. He knew that he had done this horrible thing and he had this sin in his life and he felt this dryness, this dryness that he described as just making his bones brittle. I mean, it's very... It's a very graphic uh, analogy, illustration, but he's saying, listen, in those times that I was away from God, it was like I was spiritually just drying up, becoming a prune. <laughs> and then he tells us about how it, he turned the corner in verse 5. Then, then. I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to you immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach you. So what's David saying? He's basically saying, listen, when I did this terrible thing, when I sinned and I knew I'd sinned and it kept me away from God and it kept my, my spirit dry, it kept my soul dried up, I, 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 was, I was a mess. I had this spiritually dry time. I wasn't a man after God's heart at that moment in time. But when I prayed, when I came to the Lord in confession, the Lord met me there. He redeemed me. He saved me. He forgave me. And then he gives this great advice in the, in the last verse I just read. So those who have sinned, turn to the Lord immediately. <laughs> I love it. Turn to the Lord immediately. There's no reason to go through that dryness. There's no reason to go through a time when, when you're just spiritually dry and you're avoiding God. Don't avoid God. Turn to him immediately. Turn to him immediately and you'll receive his forgiveness. This is what David does. And so David reacts the right way eventually. He reacts the right way. He approaches God in prayer with a repentant heart leading the way. Listen, prayer is a battleground. It is a battleground. And... and, and can we just agree that just normal life makes it hard enough? Right? Just normal life makes it hard enough. But when there's something that enters into our life that we know God doesn't want, boy, that makes it even tougher. But what's so great about God is that you can just turn to him.
you turn to God and confess he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So we need to be casting off sinful things in our life. Lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. To what end? To what end? To keep our eyes on Jesus. To keep our faith in him. To, to approach the throne of God knowing that Jesus is at the right hand interceding on our behalf. We, we mentioned this in, uh, in men's Bible study on Wednesday, how it's so wonderful to think that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. And why is that so cool? It, one of the reasons it's so cool is because when he was here, he went through all of the things that we go through, all of the difficulty, all of the, the things that make life so hard. He went through the grief and he went through the, the times when he, was, when he was sick and he went through the times when, uh, you know, there were people around him that, that let him down, that hurt him. You know, there were all kinds of things that Jesus went through that, that we go through now. And now, Jesus, and without sin, remind, I just want to remind you, without sin. And now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And as we're praying, he is interceding on our behalf. And so you're praying, you know, Father, you know, help me with this problem. It's so difficult. I'm, I'm so downhearted. I'm so, this is such a difficult time in my life. And Jesus at the right hand of the Father saying, know what they feel like. Help them, Father. Isn't that terrific? I hope you think that's terrific. So this is the approach to God. I confess before you this isn't something I haven't talked to God about first, okay? God and I have already talked about this. But I confess to you that there are times in my prayer life that I have to start with confessing a, a bad attitude, okay? There are times that I have to, um, I have to confess to God that my motives aren't pure. There are times that I have to go to God and I have to confess to God that, um, that he has shown me, maybe I'm reading his word or whatever, and he has shown me that there's hypocrisy in my life. And I have to go to him and I have to confess that to him. Say, Lord, forgive me for that. Help me not to be a hypocrite. I know, God, I know how you feel about hypocrites. I don't want to be one of those. There are times that I have to go to the Lord in prayer, and as I'm going to the Lord in prayer, I have to start out with, God, calm my spirit. Because my, my soul just feels like, it feels like this. You know? And that's, that's the right move. <laughs> that's the right move because... The, the, the alternative is to hide from him. The alternative is to avoid, avoid him. 
And that's the last thing he wants from us. He wants us to, to approach him as awkward as it may be. <laughs> he wants us to approach him. And if it's sin, approach him with confession. If it's something that we've, that's been revealed to us by him that's not right in our life, approach him with confession. If it's just a life that's just been so crazy and so hectic that it just, it's hard to pray because we feel just so chaotic, approach him with just saying, God, calm my spirit. And then just silently listen for a while. I think sometimes we're afraid of quiet. Right? I think sometimes we're afraid of quiet, and we need sometimes to just be quiet before him and allow him to just calm us and speak to us and help us. You know, we, we've talked about, you know, prayer is a battleground, and, and there are times that, that when I pray... I get on my knees, and, and as I'm praying, I am, as I begin to pray, I start to say things. I, I start to say this or that, and then it's almost like God just says, just hush. Just, just be quiet. I read a scripture this morning. Again, I'm going to a scripture that, that we didn't plan to be on the screen, but I read a scripture this morning, and, and I want to read it to you. Um, it is, Ecclesiastes 5.2, Ecclesiastes 5.2, listen, this is, I read this this morning, I read this this morning, and I had no, I, I wasn't like directed to this by any kind of like searching, or I wasn't trying to find a scripture like this. I read this this morning because in my devotion, it just directed me to this, okay? It says, do not be hasty to speak and do not be impulsive to make a speech before God. God is in heaven, you are on earth, so let your words be few. <laughs> I, I read that this morning and I thought, yes, yes, that is what we need to do sometimes. We are so... The, life is so chaotic. Life is full of chaos and schedules and agendas and all kinds of things. And we get so wrapped up in all of those things that sometimes as soon as we go to God in prayer, we have a tendency to just... And God's saying, Church, we allow all type, all, all kinds of things to keep us to keep us from praying. And prayer is the primary spiritual battleground in our life. It's, it's primary, and we have to battle these things to keep them from having their way with us. Now, uh, I'm going to read one more scripture, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Okay. Now, this scripture came to me as I was preparing this message, and. And, you know, it's a scripture I'm very familiar with, and it's a scripture that I've, I've read many times, but 
But it's a scripture that as soon as I read it, <laughs> and I have no idea what you women are, are, are studying on Tuesday nights, okay? I know the title of your book, and I love the title of your book, Jesus Over Everything. That's fantastic. Uh, but, and I have no idea whether this scripture has come up in your study or not, but as soon as I read this scripture, I thought of the title of your book, Jesus Over Everything. And this is from Philippians uh, chapter 3. Uh, verses 7 through 14, uh, Paul talking to the church of Philippi. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung. I had to say that real slow, <laughs> so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect. But I make every effort. <laughs> and as I read that in my studying this, I thought, wow. But I make every effort. How many things do we make every effort at? Every effort, every effort, every effort. That's, that's pretty big, isn't it? That's a lot of effort. I'll start that verse again. Not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it. Because also, I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Wow. It's a great scripture. So wrapping this up, what is holding you back from having the kind of prayer life that you want to have or that you know you should have? What is holding you back? Is, is your life so hectic? It, it is, it's just always feels awkward as you approach God in prayer? Is there a bad habit that has a hold on you? Are you carrying some bad attitudes that make you feel far from God? Is there sin that makes you want to hide from God instead of running to him? And here's the question. This, this is the question right here, okay? <laughs> you guys ready for this question? Are you sure you're ready for this question? Okay. What is it that the devil loves about your life?
And I'm telling you, if there's something holding you from that, that time with God, that, that communion with God, that, that prayer time with the Lord, if there's something that's holding you from that, the devil loves that about your life. That one got me. I don't know if it got you. It got me. You see, the devil knows as long as you have that, whatever it is, whatever came to your mind when I asked that question, the devil knows that as long as you have that going on, you'll never really feel close to God. You'll never really have communion with him the way that you should. And your prayer life is going to be hindered. So today... For the sake of your prayer life, for the sake of your life in Christ, it's time to lay it aside. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. Lay aside every snare that hinders you. Amen? Give it to Jesus. Nail it. Nail it to the cross. Okay, here it is. I didn't draw it. I copied and pasted it. Take a pen, pencil. I know we have little golf pencils in a lot of the pews. (laughs) Take a pen or pencil. Write on this. What is hindering you? I dare say right on here what the devil loves about your life. And the uh, worship team is going to come and sing a song. And as they sing that song, we have an altar here. We have an altar here. Bring it up to the altar and lay it on the altar. I'm getting rid of it. I'm not going to let it hinder me anymore. Lay aside the snare that so easily entangles us. Let me pray for you. Lord God, as as we come to you in prayer, Lord, um, I get a preview of of the message every week as you lay it on my heart. Lord, you know what I've already written on, on my cross and given to you. I pray that each one that's here today will take this that serious. They'll be able to write something down that they know They know keeps them from praying the way that they should pray. They know it's maybe caused them to not have the relationship with you that they should have. And Lord, they will boldly write that down, bring it to the altar, and sacrifice that to you, give it to you. No more hindrance. No more snare. That they'll give that to you in confidence knowing, God, that you 
will take that and you will help them to be rid of that in their life. Lord, the invitation is always there from you. It's always real. You're always ready and willing for us to turn to you in prayer. There may be somebody today that uh, they've been avoiding times of prayer with you because of some sin. Lord, they will not do that any longer. They will come to you confessing that sin, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive them that sin and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Lord, there may be somebody that's just, their life has just been nothing but chaos. And in the chaos, they have forgotten to turn to you the way they should. Lord, you're ready and willing for them to write that chaos down, lay it at your feet, and know that uh, they're going to put that chaos behind them to spend time with you. Lord, whatever it is, I, I couldn't begin to know what everybody's what everybody's deal is but you do Holy Spirit speak and may people respond in such a way that they'll leave here today knowing that they have given truly given something over to you so that their life of prayer will be stronger and greater and better from here on out thank you Jesus Thank you for your message. Thank you for how you deal with us and how you speak to us, how you draw us. You're so kind. You're so gentle. You're so gracious. You're so merciful. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.